Cool. You're giving praise. Welcome to another Sunday. Um, yeah. So we've been, um, we started a new series last week on prayer. So Joshua preached on Prayer 101. Um, it's on the podcast, so everyone look into it. For the next two weeks, we're just going to go into um, prayer and then um, just before Easter. Um, and I think, as always, guys, we're not able to exhaust and preach and teach and everything on prayer. Um, so don't see this as like uh, the full completeness. We will probably do another series on prayer at some point in the near future. I just want to like um, pull some stuff out. And I guess why are we doing this? Um, I feel that on the back of the whole um, spirit demon series, I think we end that series with it being very clear in terms of that prayer is a key when it comes to increasing our faith. I also see that as a community, um, that we should be exercising and be more disciplined in just that lifestyle of prayer, and that it's just like it's important. You see Jesus doing it, it's just to be expected. So this is more just to encourage us to pray. What, I, what I'm not making this to be is about a theory of prayer so in terms of, um, you know, oh, this is what prayer means. So here's an example of prayer. Um, our objective is that um, our prayer life will increase. And that, that, can, that can mean that you spend more time in prayer or that can mean that you pray more often. But I think the objective is that um, our prayer life increases in one way or another. Um, if I was to give this um, sermon a title, it would be Prayer That Realigns Us With God. It's a prayer that realigns us uh, with God. Okay, let's get straight into it. I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 to 15. That's going to be kind of about my core reference scripture. So Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 to 15. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, but your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Well, thank you, Jose. Blessing, blessing. And so as we... Um I'm going to extract some, some, key, some key things out of this, um, these verses. I mean, just to match expectations, um, I'm going to um, teach and preach on a number of bits, and then Josh next week will close off the rest. And if we were just to just preach about um, our father, I could preach about our father for that for months, to, to, be, to be honest. So we're going, to, we're going to break this into two bits. I'll do the first half, and then Josh will close off next week, so you guys are aware. So when we say prayer, what do we mean by that? So if you go into a dictionary, a dictionary would just say offering devout petition, praise, and thanks to God. That's what um, a dictionary will say. 
when you um, go and look at the Hebrew um, word to pray, which is a verb to pray in action, you'll see it's palau. Um, for those who have studied the Hebrew language, you know that Hebrew language is a pictorial in a sense. So when you see the alphabets in the letter, it's actually kind of saying something when you see it. Um, so when you um, look at the, um, the icons used for palau, you'll see that it's two stars in the mouth. So literally, it's talking about speaking to authority. Stuff represents authority. So when we pray, we mean that you're speaking to authority. Can you guys hear me okay? So it means that you're speaking um, to authority um, when, you, when, you, when you look at the word um, in Hebrew. So when we say we're praying, literally we're saying that you're talking to God. That you're speaking, you're speaking to God. And then it's, you know, and we should be looking to speak and talk to God continuously. It says in our first in chapter five that we should pray without ceasing, or we should see that as talk to God without ceasing. And a lot of times we think, oh, what does that mean? We just keep it simple and say talk to God. That means, you know, during your day, in terms of like when something comes up in your mind, speak to him. That I mean that is in, in simple ways how you end up praying to him um, without ceasing. In terms of, you can have dedicated moments like at the beginning of the day, um, to to to, to, to pray. I know you might wake up and say we're going to pray, but that ceasing is continuously throughout the day. Be mindful of Him, and also when you're not praying, let's say you're working, etc. As you remember when we did the work work series, your work is worship. So remember when you're working, you should be doing that as unto the Lord. So if you're even mindful that your activity during that day is being done to him, that will make you think, oh, I've got any issues during my work, during my worship, let me speak to him, which is prayer. So I'm hoping that, um, that helps. So where do we pray? Now, I mean, in terms of like, where, where, where can we pray? Guys, you can pray wherever you are, but in this scripture, Matthew 6, um, it specifically says, go to, a, go, go to a quiet place and close the door. So we read verse 6. When you, when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. In other places, I think Luke talks about go to a closet. So this is referring to go to a place and it's closed the door. So this is trying to allude to us that we should go to a place where, we can, where it's quiet and where there's going to be no distractions. So for some, that could be that could be your shed, that could be your office, that could be your study, that could be your bathroom, that could even be in your shower whilst you're having a shower, that could be the time when you're closing the door and you're not being distracted. And we can see that that is what Jesus did. In Luke, Luke chapter 5, verse 16, it says that he would withdraw and go to desolate places to pray. So he'd go somewhere quiet to pray, desolate, where there's no one there. So my question to you, where do you pray? Where is the, where do you go to pray? Do you, I mean, like, is it on your way to work? Is it in your car? Is it in your bedroom? Where do you go to pray? And I actually want you to write that down somewhere. You may have a couple of places, but where do you go to pray? For those that can write, put it into your phone. Where is your, where is the spot? Where do you go? You won't be distracted. And we already said when to pray. Pray always. Pray during pray at the beginning of the day, in the middle of the day, end of the day, pray always. I think in one of the series we spoke about um, to make sure that you, 
that you don't go angry before the end of the day. So we said, review your day. I mean, in terms of review your day. Like, how, what happened during that day? What made you emotional? What made you sad? What got you, what got you upset? To make sure you shut it down. So you don't take those things into you, into the next day and into your dreams. And so we're saying, shut those things down. And that might be this, that might even then be a point. You do do that review of the day to pray. I mean, that, that could be to pray to say, I thank you, Lord, for the day. Or that could be a prayer to say, I'll pray over requests, but pray at the end of the day. That is another um, thing that we could do, or you could do. And why do we pray? It's a, it's a fair question, but also I think it's an odd question. When you, if we say that the um, definition of prayer is to talk to God, why wouldn't we want to talk to God? Why wouldn't we want to be speaking to him? And I think this comes down to how we see him. In terms of, if we, if we don't want to speak to God, I think that that, that um, calls out that potentially we have a wrong view of him. If we're apprehensive to speak to him, if we're apprehensive to um, go to, um, to be in the same place with him, if we're apprehensive to bring our concerns to him, that brings to question how we see him or what kind of perception we have of him. Like if I said to you, you know, go, go and have a conversation with your good friends, you wouldn't struggle to have a conversation with a good friend. It, 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 would just, it would just flow. But if I said to you, you know, someone famous is here, you know, like, you know, let's say the queen or something, this is when you can start having, you, you're either going to be quiet or you're going to start chatting gibberish. That's why I talked about Matthew where people do these long, these long-winded prayers because they don't know what to say, so they just say a lot of things. I mean, have you ever seen someone where it's obvious that they have no idea what they're saying and they're, and they're nervous and they're just talking? It's because they don't, they don't know what to say. They're nervous, they're anxious, and they're just saying a lot of words with the hope that they'll say the right thing that will connect to the person that they're trying to connect with. But they're just chatting gibberish. But when you know someone, you can just talk. I mean, you can just chill and just have a conversation and then just talk to them. You don't struggle to talk to someone that you know. Why else do you pray? Another big reason for you because of effective ministry. And we don't pray. It's interesting. I don't believe Jesus made prayer a priority in order to be able to minister to people. He made it a priority because he saw it as an investment of time. It wasn't time spent, but it was time invested. And so he spent, he invested time in prayer spend time with the Lord, and then that allowed him to have an effective ministry. You, you see plenty of times in terms of the Lord will be in the mountain, pray, and he will go down from the mountain and go and start, and go and start ministering um, through healings, miracles, etc. You even see that um, when we did the spirit um, series and that there was one situation where the disciples couldn't um, cast out a demon. And they asked Jesus, said, why couldn't we cast out a demon? Jesus said, this kind or this type only comes out through prayer and fasting. And we knew the issue was faith. But your faith can only be, can only be increasing through prayer and fasting, i.e. spending time with the Lord, talking to him. And another big thing, I tried to look for other examples, but I couldn't find another example where the disciples said to Jesus, can you teach us something? He asked a lot of questions, 
but I couldn't find an example where they said, can you teach us? They don't say, oh, can you teach us to cast out demons? Can you teach us um, to, to walk in water? Or can you teach us um, to, um, to do signs and wonders? They ask questions about it. You know, why could it be cast out the demons? You know what I mean? But the disciples simply said, can you teach us to pray? And that, that to me says that there must be something, they must have saw something key and important in, in prayer to say, can you teach us? Can you explain to us? Can you break this down so that we understand it in terms of what pray, what, what it is to pray? For a lot of us, we, we, we probably say, can you teach us to do miracles? Can you preach us to do deliverance? If I, I'm sure if I came up with a, um, a course and I said, a course on prayer, versus a course on um, how to hear from God or the prophetic, or a course on evangelism, and I, and, and I looked at the sign-up list, I'm sure, I'm guessing, there'll be less people who would sign up to a course on prayer. People will sign up on a course on deliverance and how to be prophetic, how to be apostolic, but a course on prayer, I think it would have few people that would sign up to it. And I guess it's, but for the disciples to say, teach us, that shows and that, that that they saw it as key and important thing, that important part of why how Jesus rode. And it was evident that it was key because the, the Lord prayed a lot. He spent hours praying. And it doesn't take a um like a, an investigator to be able to see that his prayer life is what enabled him to have such an effective ministry. His prayer life was what it enabled him to go out and be able to say, I'm only doing what my father showed me. When did the, when did the father show him? That enables him to have an effective ministry. I like what Martin Luther King says. He says, I've got so much work to do today. I'd better spend two hours in prayer instead of one. Now, I mean, so, so he's saying that he's got, because he's got so much to do, the right place to invest the time is in prayer. For some of us, we'll be like, I've got so much to do, I've got to take time away from prayer. And that, that shows that, what, that prayer is the, the place for us to make the key investment of our time. I mean, if we've got time, where do we invest it? It should be in prayer. Right, let's get let's get to the scripture. So Matthew chapter six. I want to go to um, verse nine. So it says, "Pray then like this." So before we even get into it, it says, "Pray then like this." And so Jesus now is going to go and explain a a model of prayer for them to for them to do, and it's a model of prayer that should be done in private as an individual. And this is not that we should be reading this prayer and just say, yeah, I prayed. This is more like a template. When I say a template, it's like a structure that um, should be followed to have to, to pray effectively. And when I say template, what do I mean by that? If I said to you, send me your CV, your CV would have certain um, elements to it. It would have what you're about. It would have your work experience. It would have your qualifications. And you might have your reference there. Um, and if me and you worked in the same place, 
the exact same place, the exact same job. We could send both our CVs, but the content of our CVs would be different. The way things are written would be different, but the structure or the key or the key elements of it should be similar. Because someone sent me a CV and they just said their name, I would say that's not really a CV, is it? Someone just sent me a picture of themselves, I'd be like, okay, I can see what you look like, that's not really a CV. Does that, does that make sense? So this is like a structure, a template of prayer. And so it kicks off by saying, Our Father. Pray like this, Our Father in Heaven. It doesn't say, My Father, Our Father. This is straight away telling us that when we pray, we should be praying with a mindset of community, praying with a, with a, with a view of others. So this is where intercessory prayer comes in, comes into the mix. It's our Father. So when we're praying, who else are we thinking about? Like we should be thinking about you know, who is in your community? Um, who is within your church? Do you need to be taking your family in terms of to prayer? Who are your mentors? Who are your leaders? Like who is like, Who's, who's, who's having an issue within the world? So we should be going to God with a our, us mindset, not just my needs, what I need and what I want. So it's our Father. It's not just about you. That, that's where the intercessory part comes. And then we see that it's our Father. It doesn't say our King. It doesn't say our Creator. It doesn't say our Lord. It says our Father. Our Father. Can someone read um, 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 to 3? See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is because it did not know him. Beloved, we are, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Thank you. That's, see what type of love this is that we are called children of God. I think sometimes we're like, it's a big deal to call God Father. Like Father talks about closeness. Father refers to that, you know, what um, Freddie was saying that I'm, uh, I can, I'm in that, in this house, I don't need to be worried about eating crisps or to eat food. Father means that I'm in relationship with him. I mean, this is why this prayer is aligning us back to God and how he sees things, his perspective. So we're saying our Father when we're, when we're coming to pray. That we're in relationship with you. You care about us. There's no need to be anxious. If you're, if you're in a house and you live in a house, um, you can either be there living as a, as a family member, so like a, like a child, or you could be living there with a mindset of being a lodger. And if you've got the mindset of being a lodger, therefore you're paying rent, I mean, you are going to be apprehensive about making a mess. You are going to be apprehensive about, oh, am I making too much noise? And if you're a lodger, you're going to feel that you're okay because you paid your rent. 
So this is now when we get caught up in the whole thing. Look, because I paid my rent, you now should should do X, Y, and Z. So you, I mean, so you're caught up with because I because I had performed or because I paid my rent, you now have an expectation that hey, God, God or the owner of the house should do A, B, and C. But when you're just uh, when you just live in the house, you're, you're you're grateful. I mean, you're grateful that there's um that there's there's heat. You're grateful that there's a, there's a bed for you to sleep in. But a larger mindset is that as long as I do A, B, and C, as long as I perform, I'll get, I, I should be getting what I want. Also, if you're a lodger and you haven't paid your rent on time, you're now worried to see the owner of the house. You're apprehensive because you know that, you know, that you haven't paid what you're meant to be paying. But this is that about that knowing that we're not lodgers, we're not tenants. We're a part of the household of God. He is our Father. We are children of God. My question to you is, how do you see him? Do you see him as just as, um, as just like, well, I want to make sure I don't get in trouble with the Lord? Do you see him as, well, I, hope that I don't want him to see the mistakes that I've made because he may, he may stop loving me? Or do you see him as just your Father? The one that loves you. The one that cares about you. Where he wants you to be, where he wants to be in his arms. Like I'm looking at Josh right now, and it look, holding, holding his um, holding his daughter. You know what I mean, in terms of with concern. You know what I mean, make sure she's well, rubbing her back. I'm not sure if you guys can see. That is how the father has us. She has like she, she has no idea in terms of you know how she gets when she falls asleep and how she ends up in her bed. She has no idea. It just happens. She's not there wondering, oh, my days are like, I'm hungry, how am I going to eat? Somehow there's food um, made ready for her. Why? Because Jackie and Josh make it happen. Because that's their child. So next up, we see that our father in heaven. So this is, our father is in heaven, a place that is, um, that is a place of eternity that has no limits. It says um, in Isaiah 66, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. So our father is not limited by time. And also we know that it's the invisible that creates the visible. And so any issues that I have on earth here uh, is influenced by heaven, by the invisible. And so it's, it's almost being that one, he is my father who is close. But then coming back to that word is that he is in heaven in terms of he's the all-powerful, the all-knowing that has no limitations. Um, if I use the example of Joshua again, it's like if you're a little child and you can't get to the cupboard, you're like, oh, I can't reach. I can't, I, can't, I can't get to the top of the cupboard. I know there's something there, but I can't get to it. But Joshua is high and his strength is able to reach that top cupboard and, and bring out those packets for those sweets. It's that same way that our Father in heaven, it has no limitation. He's able, to, he's able to reach things that you can't reach. He's able to grab hold of things that you can't grab hold of. He's able to, um, to pull down things that you can't pull down on because he, is, because he is in heaven. The things that you can't reach, he can reach. So we have a Father who is close, but we have a Father who is all-powerful. If, if, Josh, if Josh wanted to, with just one punch, he could deal with one of his kids. But he chooses to use his strength for their good. Do you know what I mean? In terms of, but then, but then, what? 
what we're scared of, we look at our father and we're like, oh my God, I'm scared he's going to hurt me. And, it, and I can understand that because he's all powerful. But he's using his power for our defense, using his power and strength for our, for our good. I hope that makes sense. Hallowed be your name. So back in the days, I thought this just meant holy is your name. That you are holy. And it doesn't mean it to a degree, but hallowed be your name is actually a verb. And that's talking about um, sanctified is your name. And so literally it's saying your name be sanctified. Let your name be treated as holy. And when we're talking about a name, a name isn't just a label or a tag on someone. A name represents a reputation, represents a characteristic, represents the being of a person. So when you when you give that when you give something a name, that is what it is. That is that is it. That is the being. That is its identity. So hallowed be your name. And this is important. This is not a declaration where we're saying, "Oh Lord, you are holy." This is a request to say, Lord, let your name be revered. Lord, let your name be sanctified. Lord, let your name be holy. Let your name be set apart. Lord, let your name be distinct. Lord, let your name stand out. This is not a declaration. This is a request. This is a prayer. I guess what does it mean to say, Lord, let your name be sanctified? So there's a couple of examples in scripture. I get someone to read Numbers chapter 20, verse 2 to 12, please. Now there was no water for the congregation, so they gathered together against Moses and Aaron. And the people contended with Moses and spoke, saying, If only we had died when our brethren died before the Lord, why have you brought up the assembly of the Lord into, into this wilderness, that we and our animals should die here? And why have you made us come up out of Egypt? to bring us to this evil place. It is not a place of grain or figs or vines or pomegranates, nor is there any water to drink. So Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the door of the tabernacle of meeting. They fell on their faces and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, take the rod, you and your brother Aaron, gather the congregation together. Speak to the rock before their eyes and it will yield this water. Thus you shall bring water for them out of the rock and give drink to the congregation and the animals. So Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock. And he said to them, Hear now, you rebels, must we bring water for you out of this rock? Then Moses lifted his hand and struck the rock twice with his rod. And water came out abundantly and the congregation and the animals drank. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron. Because you did not believe in me, to hallow me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. Cool. Thank you, thank you. But this is a big word scripture. One day we'll preach on this. Um, and so I'll just give the background. So previously, rock has come out of the water to, to, to deal with the first of Israel. If you read Exodus chapter 17. So what has come out of water to do the first. So in Numbers 20, we see once again Israel thirsty, and the Lord says to uh, Moses, go speak to a rock. Go speak to a rock, and, and, and it'll give forth water for um, Israel and your cattle. So Moses um, 
changing stuff, but what he does, he does what he's done in the past. He hits the rock, not just once, he hits it twice. He doesn't obey God and follow his instruction. Now, I mean, what's even interesting, you have a leader who doesn't obey, but God still gives water to Israel. This is why sometimes, this is why sometimes it's like, just because things happen, doesn't mean that, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, they must be, they must be, um, you know, following God because things happen. Sometimes God is like, I care so much about my people, even though you haven't followed my instruction clearly, I'm still going to make sure they drink. But anyway, that's, a, that's, a, that's another message. Um, so in verse 12, and the Lord said to Moses, and Aaron, because you did not believe in me, to behold me as holy, it says hello in some of your verses, in the eyes of the people, therefore you shall not bring the assembly into the land that I've given them. So here it's saying, in order to hello his name, make, his, make him holy in the eyes of people, you need to believe in him, have trust in him. So how do we, how, how do we, um, how, how do we hello, be, hello be his name? Trust in the Lord, believe in him. Trusting what he says. And, and it's like, the Lord cares about his name. The Lord cares about his reputation in terms of um, how, like, how he is um, seen um, by others. Can someone read um, Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 16 to 23? Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, when the house of Israel dwelt in their own land, they defiled it by their own ways and deeds. To me, their way was like the uncleanness of a woman in her customary impurity. Therefore, I poured out my fury on them for the blood they had shed on the land and for their idols with which they had defiled it. So I scattered them among the nations and they were dispersed, dispersed throughout the countries. I judged them according to their ways and their deeds. When they came to, to the nations, wherever they want, they profaned my holy name. When they said to them, these are the people of the Lord, and yet they have gone out of his land. But I had concern for my holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the nations, wherever they went. Therefore say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord God, I do not do this for your sake, O house of Israel, but for my holy name's sake, which you have profaned among nations wherever you went. And I will sanctify my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, which you have profaned in their midst. And the nations shall know that I am the Lord, says the Lord God. When I am hallowed, in you before their eyes. Cool, cool, cool. So in this one, you're seeing that the Lord's like, because you've been dispersed, people are looking at you and be like, uh, really? I thought these were the people of God. Like, what's, go what's going on? And that is profaning his name. No, I mean, profaning is the opposite of sanctifying his name. So that is like, and he's like, I'm now going to fix this not for you, but for my name. Because of my name, because of my namesake. And how does he go? How does he go about that? If you read uh, thirty-six, verse thirty-six of that same, 
chapter. So here he talks about he's going to bring then the nations that are left all around you shall know that I am the Lord. I have rebuilt the ruined places and replanted that which was desolate. I am the Lord that's worth and I will do it. And here when you read previous verse, talks about it's going to give people a new heart, it's going to sanctify them. So he's going to make his name hallowed. We're going to get his name sanctified by sanctifying us. So we, so the Lord's name is hallowed when he is sanctifying us. The Lord's name is hallowed when we are, when our, when our hearts are made soft by Him. So two examples of how the Lord's name is hallowed is one when we trust and believe in Him, and the next one is when He transforms us, when He rebuilds us. And this prayer was about us praying for people to trust His name, and 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 also praying for the Lord to rebuild and sanctify people. The Lord cares about His name. The Lord cares about the reputation of His name. And this, and, and as we're praying this prayer, we should be thinking um, about ourselves in terms of, do I trust in the Lord? Do I believe in what he says? Am I staying in this place to be sanctified? Am I being, am I being a, 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 a representative of him? The Lord cares about his name and about the opinion of nations. Hallowed be your name. And it's important that we know that this prayer, as we're doing this prayer, as we're going through this prayer, it's almost like it's a mindset refresh in terms of um, you are our father. Yeah, yeah, I'm loved by him. I'm, 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 a, I'm a child of God. Now you're reminding yourself I'm a child of God. Oh, yeah, and you are in heaven. Oh, yeah, the, the earth, earth doesn't, um, you're not entangled with earth. Earth doesn't mess you up. You're, you're in heaven where the invisible impacts the scene. And your name is distinct, it's different, it's to be hallowed. I'm praying that your name have a a reputation. And all these things should be making us reflect on, do I trust you? Do I see you you as my father? Do I have an earthly focus rather rather than a heavenly focus? This whole prayer as a template, as a model, should be realigning us with God. Even reminds me of um, where Abraham, when Abraham was um, was going to and fro with God about Sodom and Gomorrah, Sodom, Sodom, sorry, where the Lord was like, you know what, I'm going to just destroy the place. And Abraham's like, are you sure, Lord, you want to do that? Like, you know, when there's some righteous people there, when you know how weighty, when you know how much God puts on his name and how important his reputation is, that's when you start having this conversation about, but Lord, how, how does that look to your name? How does that look based on your reputation? How does that, how does that look if you go and destroy a nation and there's some and there's some righteous people there? Now I mean like, what about is would you would you save them for 50? Would you save them for 40, 30, 10? And he's negotiating it because he knows that the Lord cares about his reputation, cares about his name, his identity. The whole reason why Ezekiel 36, he said, I am going to bring you out of ruin, not for your sake, but for my name. And our prayer is that the Lord's name will be revered, that the Lord's name will have a good reputation, that the Lord's name will be distinct, and that we will be um, using examples 
of making the Lord's name distinct. His kingdom to come. So our prayer is for his kingdom to come. This is not a declaration, this is a prayer request. Lord, that your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. And that your kingdom come on earth. That your kingdom come. And this is about having a kingdom mindset. What does that mean in terms of we know there's a king, that is him, the Lord, and his domain to come. And we, and we know that his kingdom of God is here and not yet. So where, where are God's authority, the ways of God are happening? That's where his kingdom is. So in terms of when, when, when his kingdom is, when the, when the Lord is reigning, his kingdom is there. And you can look within yourself. The kingdom of God is within you. You've got his Holy Spirit residing inside of you. The question I guess to ask ourselves is, but is this kingdom taking every single part of our lives? every single element, every single thing in the view of us. You can answer the question to yourself, but then we know that it's working. We know that he's working through us to take every single part. And our prayer is that your kingdom, Lord, to come on earth as in heaven, to come. And so I'm going to read, oh, let me read actually, Matthew 6. We go back to the chapter, Matthew 6. I'm going to read um, verse 31 to 33. Okay, so therefore do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So this is saying, don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear. Make the main thing, the main thing is kingdom. And all these other things shall be added. Keep the main thing, the main thing. It's almost like going back to um, using Josh again, like, if, if, you're, if, if, you're, if Josh's child is hungry, like, he's going to make sure, you know what I mean, that his, his children are going to get fed. You know what I mean? They're going to, like, they're going to they've got clothing on their back. They, they, they have, they probably have no idea, like, um, his baby probably has no idea how she's warm. She's not thinking or worrying about how my days, how am I going to stay warm? Like, I mean, like, oh, how am I going to make sure I don't, I don't get hungry? Josh just sorts it out. And Jackie, sorry, happy Mother's Day. They sort it out. They made, they, 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 they get it done. I mean, she's not worrying, like, oh, my days, I'm, I'm, I'm naked. He's going to clothe me. Going back to Matthew 6. And about your will be done. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What's going on in heaven right now, man? Is that, are there people hurting in heaven? Are there people like, are there people like distressed in heaven? Are there people who are confused in heaven? We want, we want to see heaven on earth. We want to see his will. And it's, his will is, the, what does God desire? What does God want to see? What's on God's mind? What does he want to happen? In um, Psalms 40 verse 8, it says, I delight to do your will. I mean, we, we, want to, we, want, we want to pray for God's will to be done. That is of you to happen on earth. Um, 
Jesus says in John chapter 5, I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. So once again, this is now bringing us into alignment. Lord, what's your will? I mean, to, to pray for his will to be done, my question is, what is your will? Do you know the will of God in the situation or season that you're in right now? It's interesting when you look at um, when you look at um, Israel in the wilderness. They're in the wilderness on their way to the promised land. They're in the will of God on their way to the promised land. Some of us could be praying, "Lord, take me out of the wilderness." But if you, if you, if you ask to get prayed out of the wilderness, how do you get to the promise? Sometimes we're like, oh, you know what, Lord, like, take me out of this situation. Like, we need to calm down with these prayers and say, Lord, what's your will in this situation? And then, and then our prayer is, provide, give me what I need whilst I'm in your will. So what they needed whilst they were in this will was to be fed, which is why he provided them bread inside, inside the wilderness. But I'll let Josh talk about um, bread next week. We've got an example of, the, of our Jesus talking about my will and your will. So if I'm going to read Luke um, chapter 22. Chapter 22. Now let's read 42. So this is now where the Lord is praying and he's like, it's coming close down to being arrested. He's in, um, he's in the garden. He's like, okay, Saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. So basically, do I need to go and die on the cross? Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him, and being in agony, prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he arose in prayer, I came to the side of the family of Stephen for Sarah. And we know the story, but it's like, here he's saying, Lord, can this cup pass? See, this is the thing, guys. I'm not saying that we can't say, um, Lord, can this stop? Lord, can I, can I be taken out of this wilderness? The question is, is it Lord's will for you to be in that wilderness? I mean, if you're meant to be in that wilderness, if you're meant to be in that season, like, Lord, okay, give me what I need then. Give me what I need. Give me, give me, give me my bread whilst I'm in this place. Give me what I what I need for today whilst I'm here. And it's like, not my will. This is interesting. So, as, as during this prayer model, guys, we haven't asked for anything. We haven't asked for anything. So we're gonna um, next week. We'll talk about asking for you know for our daily bread, but we haven't asked for anything. All we've done so far. It's to remind ourselves that he is our father. It's to remind ourselves that he is in heaven. It's to remind ourselves that we want his name to be made, um, to be hallowed, to be sanctified, to be made, to, to, to have to be of good reputation. And then we're saying, what is your will? Your will to be done, not my will. So if I go, so our prayer shouldn't just be about, let me go in and start with my um with my to-do list, my, my, here's all the things that I need to, I need to get done, Lord. Here's, here's, here's all the things. Our first thing should be realigning ourselves with God, and then that then enables us to pray and request for the right things. 
Does that make sense? If we go, if we, if we're bringing, if we go in there with the right mindset, realign ourselves with God, our prayer requests, then change, then become more aligned in terms of, hey, Lord, I'm in, I'm in the wilderness and it's hot. I know I'm meant to be in the wilderness, Lord. Can you give me covering whilst I'm in the wilderness? Lord, hey, I'm in the wilderness. I'm hungry. Like, I need to eat. Like, can you provide food for me whilst I'm in this? And, and, and so your prayer becomes different because you first understand, am I in his will? I'm like, what, what does Lord, what does Lord want, want to see to be done whilst I'm in this season, whilst I'm in his will? And if you don't know his, if you don't know his will, that's what you're meant to find out. Within this season that I'm in, what should I be doing? What should I be doing in this, in this season that I'm in? What's his will? Same thing in terms of, if you have no idea what is in heaven, then go study what is in heaven. Go find out what is in heaven. If you don't know what, if you don't know what heaven's like, it's hard for you to pray. It's hard, it's, it's like, it's hard for you to say, I want, I want earth to be like heaven, you don't know what is in heaven. Go find out. If you're all saying things work, let's say, ah, uh, I don't know what it means for him to be my father. Let's go and study and find out what it means for him to be our father. This whole thing is around us aligning ourselves, having the right mindset of who we are with God in terms of our relationship. And once again, you see that it's not just about us. We start off with our father. Our Father, interceding with others. Like Jesus, always mindful of others, sacrificing for others, not just going to God, just for myself, just for my own needs. This is why we intentionally say when we go into groups, find out the interests of others and then take that during the week and pray for that person. You, you have already prayed with them about something, pray again in your closet, in your quiet place for them. Don't worry about, oh, is someone praying for me? Don't worry. Pray for them. Pray for others. This is why we tend to say let's pray for our family members to be saved. That's intercessory. This is why um, a lot of times we say, can you pray for person A? Can you pray for someone else? Intercessory prayer. So you're not just thinking about yourself, praying for others. I want to I end with a quote again from Martin Luther. Okay. He says, the less I pray, the harder it goes. The more I pray, the better it goes. And it's interesting, it doesn't say the more I pray, the easier it's the better it goes. It's the better it goes. I mean, was it easy for Jesus? Like, yeah, well, let me just die on the cross, man. Like, uh, yeah, this is easy. This is easy. It was better because he knew that he was in the will of God. And he knew that there was joy that was set in front of him. We're not here to pray for, oh, let, 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 let it be easy. We're here to pray like, Lord, what's your will? 
Let it be done. Lord, you are our Father. Let's be aligned to you, Lord. Before we, before we come with all our wants, before we come with all our desires, what do you want, Lord? What's on, what's, 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 what's on, what's on your mind? It's like, it's like um, this. If you were on a date with someone, yeah? And you just turned up with like, no, you're not using the cook, using the cook for them, yeah? Would you try and find out what kind of food they liked? You would, so thanks to thumbs up, Fred. You you would be thinking, you know what? I know Josiah's out saying now, nah, man, he'll cook the one, he'll cook the one, <laughs> his go-to recipe, the one or two recipes that he knows. Inter- it's interesting. It's interesting, interesting, interesting that Josiah said that. And it's like, so I think what we should be doing is like, hey, what does the Lord, what, what does the Lord actually actually want? If not, who are you really cooking for? Think about it. Who, who, I mean, who are you? Who are you really cooking for? Who be like? Who are you really making the food for? Uh, this is my. <laughs> this is my. I know. Just I usually get quiet. <laughs> this is my go-to. This is what. This is my default. This is what I do. This is what I know. So it's only an illustration, so. This is, but this is what I know. Do you know what I mean? In terms of, it's like. If you think about, it, you're like, you know, I want to cook for someone and I want them to enjoy the meal. I want them to enjoy the meal. You're going to try and find out what, what type of food they like. You're going to be like, do you like mashed potato or roast potato? This is what this, this, um, this model template of prayer does. It brings us into his mindset, brings us and it realigns us with God. Before I go with my shopping list, uh, you know what? Interesting about shopping this example, yeah. Without, without first aligning yourself with the Lord, your shopping list will have stuff on it that's only for you. But when you realign yourself, when you realign yourself to God, you then start writing a shopping list that is what God desires. That is what's on God's mind. That is what happens. So your shopping list changes and transforms to be aligned to God. <laughs>